Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Today I'm going to conclude my message on, and that's why I put that scripture, because I've been on a six or seven week uh, series. And today I'm going to conclude our series on teaching. How many have enjoyed this series? This has been powerful, powerful time. On the nature and attributes of Jesus, and I'm going to talk about the attribute of God's love. I now, now, now hold on before you, you kind of tune me off. God's love is the most powerful force in the universe, but it's the most played out reality in the universe as well. People, is so simplistic that people lose track of the true nature of Jesus when it comes to his love. It's not just a feeling. It's the most unstoppable force in the universe. Can I hear an amen? Let's pray. Let's get our Bibles out and let's pray. I'm going to encourage you this morning. Now, now, it helps me when you smile back at me when I preach at you, okay? Don't look at me like you have some pickle juice on your head. I mean, I go to some churches and I preach and they're like, how are you? I am happy. <laughs> so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would anoint your word. Thank you for passion and excitement for life-changing presence of God. We thank you for the attributes of Jesus, the many attributes of your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy, your grace, your holiness, as we talked last week. Today, we want to end with the most powerful nature in the whole world, which is your love. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate and are, are saved is because of one thing only, your great love for humanity. Anoint us, anoint this word, and anoint those who hear in Jesus' name. And everyone said, if you have your Bibles or your tablets or your smartphones, turn to 1 John chapter 4. I'm more excited to, to hear this than you are. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Now, don't let, don't make, don't let me out-preach out you today, all right? Get excited about Jesus. This, this is the holiday season. I understand that there's sometimes holiday seasons brings sorrow and sadness because you should be with loved ones and, and things have happened. But don't let those things rob you or steal you from joy. Amen? 1 John chapter, oh, this is going to be so liberating. I, I preached this to myself three times this week, and I, and I, and I, I got so excited every time I got, I preached it to myself. I seriously, I'm like, oh, that's good, Holy Spirit. <laughs> so 1 John chapter 4, are you ready? Verse 7 says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. Now, I want you to hear me, please. He who does not love, now watch, does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love does not know God. Let that sink in for a little bit with our issues that we have. He who does not love, just because it's, ju it's justifiable in your eyes, we're still commanded to love. And God says, if we don't have the reality of love, we really don't know God. Why? It's not because we're bad people. It's because God's nature is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. He doesn't run out of love because he is love. For him to run out of love will be to him, for him to cease who he is. Now, I say this because some of us have trouble receiving love or giving love, the two main things. We have trouble receiving love, processing love, and we really don't know what love is. We have limited love to some romantic feeling, and that's all we think love is. My friends, there's so much more to love than just a romantic feeling, just a goosebump feeling. It says, God is love. Now, look at, look at jump, jump down to verse 16, all right? Jump down to verse 16. And we know and we have known and believed the love that, the, that, that God has for us 
God is love. Again, he is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. Number two, you can't even abide in God if you don't abide in the reality of God's love. All right? And God in him. Now jump to verse 18. And this is where we're going to kick off today. Verse 18. Oh, this is so good. Some of you, you're going to get set free because you've been trying to rebuke all these things when the answer is love. (laughs) Are you ready? There is no fear in love. What? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. That's what the Bible says because it's tormenting when you're bound by fear and insecurity and worry every single day of your life. Fear is tormenting, but he who fears, now this is deep, he who is fearful all the time, has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Guys, I have news for you. Contrary to popular opinion, the opposite of fear is not boldness. The opposite of fear is love. Because it doesn't say perfect boldness casts out fear. It says perfect love casts out fear. Boldness is a byproduct of us being transformed by love. And once we transform by love, boldness is a natural byproduct of us having a revelation of love. Come on. Because it's impossible to be truly bold if you do not have the love of God exploding in your heart. Because the love of God will tell you, you're my son, you're my daughter, you don't need anybody else's opinions, you don't need anybody else. And boldness and confidence will come because perfect love casts out fear. The love of God, my friends, is the most powerful force on the universe. The love of Christ is the most profound and is the highest form of the nature of God. I am shocked by so many Christians, followers of Christ, that lack love in their conversations with each other. That lack love for people. I'm not talking about the humanistic love that we know. I am talking about the love of the essence of who God is. And it's not just a fluffy, duffy, nice little feeling. We limit the love of God to a soft reality, like letting people just pounce all of you. The love of God will penetrate the hardest hearts. I'm just telling you, what woos the heart is not scare tactics, it's love. What woos the heart to come to bring people to his presence is not manipulative tactics, is not bringing fear on you, is unconditional love. Say love. It's the highest form of Christianity. And there are many people today that talk about the love of God that are strangers to the God of love. Come on, man. There's a lot of people that that talk about the love of God, but they're total strangers to the nature of God's love. It's one thing to read books about love. There's one thing to encounter love. Mm. There's one thing to encounter love because One of the reasons I believe that we have not had a full revelation of loving people and loving God is because we don't have a revelation of God's love in our hearts. Hear me now. Hear me now. The reason why so many people, I'm speaking this to you. This is not in my notes, but I'm telling you what I feel in my heart. I have seen people get scared into the kingdom of God 
by fear tactics. And whether it's unintentional or intentional, that doesn't matter. They either see some news uh, in, in, the, in the news or whatever, and they get scared. So like, I really better go to the Lord fast because I'm getting scared. Or they get scared by realities of hell or separation of God. And so fear draws them to have like a, a, a fire escape insurance and say, let me just get saved real quick because I don't want to go to that place. And what happens is if you, listen to me, church, if you come to the Lord based out of fear and, and all this stuff about hell and all that stuff, your salvation will be short-lived. You must have an encounter with his love that transforms your heart. You must fall in love with Jesus, and you must not allow his love to soften your heart. Because if you don't, everything will be legalistic to you, and it will be short-lived. Try to sustain a marriage on fear. Try to, well, I have to do this because if not, he's going to be mad at me. Or you have to do, you will not last in your marriage if you have to please somebody based on their fear of reacting to that's torture that's why i call it fear's torment fear is fear brings torment but perfect love casts out fear come on say amen and in the english language one of the things that i love those of you who like to think hear me because i'm going to i'm going to talk to you because i love to think too one of the things that i believe that hinders love is our weak english lexicon <laughs> vocabulary. Why? Because we have the same word love to describe all kinds of realities and we use the same word. Like we use the same word for love for food. I love this hamburger. And we use the same word love for my pet. I love little spot. Or we use the same word love for our friends. Boy, she's my BFF. I love you. And we use the same word love. See all these words love. I love my dog. I love this hot dog. I love this hamburger. I love my family. I love my spouse. And I love God. And we, the, the English language is so weak. But you know the Greeks, the Greeks, the original Greeks, I feel the Holy Spirit here. The original Greek translation of the Bible, the New Testament, they had a, a, about the five or six different realities of the word love. Why? Because they knew that each word love has a different definition or weight on it. I hope, I hope that you love your pet more than you love your hamburger. But we use, we use the same word. The Greeks use different words to describe different degrees of love so that it could be recognizable. The reason why that we have such a shallow reality of love of God is because we use the same word love to describe different degrees of love. I'm preaching good now. So, so, so I hope you love your, your pet more than you love your hamburger. And I hope you love your friends more than your pet. Some of you, I got to say that because I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Some of y'all, some of y'all, your pet's like, that's my best friend. Well, well. And I hope you love your family more, watch this hurts, than some of your friends. And I hope you love God more than everything else. But we use the same word, love, to describe hamburgers, to describe relationships. And we all think love is this lovey-dovey romantic thing. No, there's levels of love. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Now you say, well, what do you mean I have to love God above family? Yes, Jesus gave two main commandments. Now, if you have an issue of loving God above everything else, I lovingly tell you what that is. Not me. Don't, don't stone me. The Bible says this. It's called idolatry. What is, what is idol? Idol is not the big old statue, you know, like we see that we think is idol. Uh, the definition of idolatry is, is, is anything that places God as being number one in your life. So that means a football game, come on, fellas, could be an idol. Your body could be an idol. Those of you who work out all the time and you know, like me, you know, you look at the muscles. 
<laughs> You're like, I can't see anything. <laughs> Some of it is sports, but watch this. Whatever is number one in your life, your business, whatever you think you get your reputation from, that becomes an idol in your life. Your intellect, your knowledge, whatever it is. But Jesus said there's two main things, hear me now, that qualify us. He says all the law and the prophets are summed up in these two commandments in the New Testament. Are you ready? He said all the stuff that you heard in the Old Testament, all the rules and regulations, now Jesus died on the cross. Now there's two main ones that could be fulfilled in all of them. Are you ready? They both have to do with the same thing, love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Notice he didn't say you would do a lot of good conferences. You would do a lot of church services. You would do a lot of, he says, no, no. The greatest commandment is not what you do, is what you are to God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Come on, not some of your heart, not 95% of your heart, not 85% of your heart. With all your heart. They got quiet. And then you know what the second commandment is? He goes, the second commandment is the same. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, with all these two, sums up the law and the prophets. So I decided to give you a, a good old Bible study and a good deep word today. Can I hear an amen? Because I'm going to give you about five or so uh, real quick Greek words, and uh, Zach's going to have, we could do it one at a time, of what each word in the Greek meant. So when I say I love my pet, the Greeks didn't do it that way. They, they called it something else. And they, when they said I love my BFF, they called it something else there. Right? We call LOL, right? Laugh out loud. But what we need to know is the different forms of love so we can understand the scripture. Are you ready? So the first form of uh, the, Greek, the Greek word for love, like, like we have this generalized word of love, is eros, E-R-O-S. All right? Uh, and that is the romantic love, and uh, that is where most people think love is. 90% of Americans have think the love of God is eros love, and it's not. Eros love in the Greek is sexual passion, is romantic love. Now, we could talk about that in church. I know some people freak out. God made sex good in marriage, not outside of marriage. That's his, that's his word. But God created that. We, we're so polluted with the word love. Look, look, we're talking about love, right? We can't even say the word sex without cringing because the enemy has perverted that word. We can't even say it without going, can you say that, church? It's not a bad word. But we think it is because we, our definition of love has been always this, eros. In the Greek word, eros means uh, the sexual or, or romantic love. And in fact, eros was viewed as dangerous in many of the times because it was a lustful passion that led to destruction. Now, there is a good passion that is needed in marriage, but there is also a destructive one. I'll just move on. <laughs> like, please move on, please move on. So watch this. They didn't say, I eros, I eros God. No. The love that they had wasn't the same word love. It was eros. The second form or definition of the Greek, uh, of di different Greek words, you got to enjoy this if you guys love words, is philia. Say philia. Now, philia was described as deep friendship love. All right? That's what the Greeks used. So when we say, I love my BFF, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say the same word love as they use for God or for romantic. Could you imagine feeling the romantic side of that to your BFF? No, but that's what we do all the time. Oh, I love my BFF. Oh, I love you, girl. 
but they're two different realities. No, no, look. Eros is romantic passion. Philia was deep fresh uh, friendship, and this was the loyalty between best friends. Guys, why am I saying this? Because we need to have a revelation of what re- when God says God is love, what are we really talking about? When he says God is love, he's not saying God is Eros. He's not saying God is just a good friend. Well, he, he is, but he's just not what we relate as our BFF. Listen, there's such a deeper degree of love that you have not experienced. If all you experience is just your love for your best friend, you're sadly missing out on an incredible reality. Glory to God. The third one, the third Greek biblical word, are you getting something? Is called ludus. L-U-D-U-S, and that's what, I, that's what the Greeks called a playful love. Now, why do I say Greeks? Just so you guys, there's a lot of new Christians here, so i got to explain. It, the, 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 some of the original manuscripts of the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. And so, so some of the original writers were Greek, and they were able to translate that in that Greek language. So they would use Greek words, and then we would take it in English. But our language is so weak, so that's why I'm trying to help you. The third, this third love was ludus. Now, this is the playful love. Now, this is funny. This is the, the, the fun, what I call a fun love where you you describe the feeling when you're when you're with you spot your your dog or your cat you're like oh it's a different type of love it's the love that you feel when you're watching a movie or you or, or you're watching the the tragic I mean magic <laughs> sorry <laughs> I love the magic I just need to win more or when you're watching the dolphin game like me and you're and like my buddy Phil and we're like oh, oh. It's that fun, excitement, love. It is not, oh, I just, ooh, I just love the dolphins. Oh, look at that dolphin. No, but that's, but that's, listen, I'm funny right now, but that's not, that's how we talk. Oh, I just, I just love this hamburger. I love God. I love my friend. Oh, I just love the Miami Dolphins. But there's different degrees of love. That's why we don't understand God's love. Because we subliminally, I'm getting serious, we subliminally equate Eros love, passionate romantic love with the only type of love that we have. No, 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 no. That is not the, the love just of God. The, the playful love of God, that's pragmas. Uh, sorry, that's uh, ludus. And then the next one is pragma. Now, this is powerful right here before I go to the, the, the final one. Pragma love was the mature love. I, I need married folks to hear me. I need married folks to hear me. And those who are about to get married. Okay. Pragma love was longstanding mature love. And this was uh, about making adjustments to help the relationship over time. Many people get worried. Hear me now. Hear me now. I see, I, I, I see you guys looking at your spouse. That's good. We're, this society is so worried about falling in love rather than remaining in love. And the reason why we did get discouraged in marriage is because we only are falling in love and we don't know the reality. Get, get, not, get the next one, not the ludus, but the pragma. The reality of pragma, which is enduring love, making adjustments and compromises in the long term to keep love standing. So if all you are thrilled about, ladies, is after 20 years, I'm just going to be real, after 20 years of marriage, if you're still getting like, uh, uh, discouraged because you are just uh, lost that, that honeymoon uh, type thing, which I hope you never do, but there's a, t- there's a deeper type of love than just a goosebump honeymoon type love that you have before you see other people's faults. 
The, see, the, uh, the honeymoon love is like, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so awesome, you can do no wrong. And then you wake up three months later next to them and their hair and their breath stinks and they're leaving the, to- they're leaving the toothpaste all over the place. You're like, oh, I can't stand you. But love that endures is pragma love. Listen, you, listen you, you marry people, you need to understand that or else you will get offended because you think that you have to walk around every single day uh, just with this goosebump experience. There's going to be times where you're not going to feel that. I hate to bust your bubble. I hope you feel that. But, but the reality, what happens if it doesn't? Are you, where are you going to go? Is your strength only in the romantic love or is it in the pragma? Now, the last one is awesome. The last one is agape. The last Greek word for love is agape. And agape is the highest form of love. It's selfless and unconditional. It is selfless and unconditional. It has no strings attached to it. And it does not make, make the other person do something for you to earn that kind of love. It is unexpected. You, you get it all the time whether you do something or not. That is agape love. And my friends, that is the Greek definition of God is love in 1 John chapter 4. Out of all the Greek words that I just described in 1 John chapter 4 when he says God is love, is really saying God is agape. God is agape. In other words, it continually gives when the other person doesn't give back. Woo! See, single people are just clapping. The married people are hard to clap on that. Why? Because it's, it's, it's possible when you're married that you don't get the reciprocalness from that, your partner. You may love more. You may feel that you love more than your partner. But let me tell you something. Agape love will keep you standing because it is the very nature of God. Someone say amen. It is the very nature of God. When he says perfect love casts out fear, he didn't say perfect arrows cast out fear. It's perfect agape. It's perfect agape. It's a powerful force that casts out fear. Can I hear an amen? The nature of love seeks to give without expecting anything in return. The nature of lust seeks to get expecting everything in return. I'm going to say that again. The nature of love seeks to give without expecting anything in return. That's why we have a lot of offended people in the church because we genuinely love people and we have strings attached to our love. Oh, I'm preaching good now. You're not looking at me good. Just because you love somebody and don't get something in return does not mean that your love is fake. And it doesn't mean that your love is weak. It means that you're operating and under, under, under the understanding that if God loves me, the overflow of God's love will help me to love the unlovable. Will help me to love those who are persecuting me. Not to condone what they're doing, but that you love them through it. You kill them with love, 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 love. Killing you softly with love. One of the points I want to make is this. A couple of points. The love of God is uninfluenced. We could put that up there on this slide. The love of God is uninfluenced and unhindered by any person, place, or thing. So in other words, the love of God cannot be manipulated by what you do or don't do. Hear me now, guys. This is so much freedom. The love of God doesn't, does, is, is unhindered, or you cannot manipulate the love of God just because you do something or you don't do something. It's not like the, the love turns off a degree because you stop doing service at, 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 at RCC. It doesn't matter where you go to church in. What happens is the love of God does not turn out. It's a faucet that keeps on going. Look, look. Actually, you can see this in the New Testament. 
Zach, put up there Deuteronomy chapter. I'm going to give you something. Are you getting something? This is God. I'm telling you. I'm going to say Deuteronomy chapter 7. Look at verse 7. In the NLT, Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, it tells you about the, the, the love of God being uninfluenced by any person. Are you ready for this? Say amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 in the NLT gives us a reality check about God's love being uninfluenced by any source. Are you ready? Are you ready to see what the scripture says? Look what Deuteronomy 7 says. The Lord, oh man, this is like a good slap. You know how you have bad slaps and good slaps? This is a good slap. This is like wake you up type of slap. Look, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. It seems like almost a diss here. Look, the Lord didn't choose you because you were more in number. Then he goes, as a matter of fact, you were the smallest number of all the nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. Do you see that? And he was keeping the oath that he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you because he loves you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand. God's love did not come to the children of Israel because there were more in number. See, that's what we place our love in. Man, they have more money. I love that guy or I love that person. Let me give you a hint, ladies. If all you're going for is a man that has a lot of money, then your love is in the wrong place. Or guys, if all you're doing is you love a person just because they have a nice face or whatever, your love is in the wrong place. And it's not going to last. You have to understand that the Lord says, I didn't choose you because you were great in number. Or in other words, I didn't choose you because you had it all together. Thank God that he didn't choose us because we had it together. Are you kidding me? Sometimes I'm like, why did you choose me to be the head pastor of this church? He says, because I know your heart and I love you. Do you understand that his love doesn't make sense sometimes? But I'm so glad that he loves. And I'm so glad that he did it. Why? Listen, it's, it's God's love that chose us before the foundation of the world. And nothing, nothing, nothing could change or manipulate his love. Glory to God. Oh, oh, happy day. Oh, remember that song, happy day, when Jesus washed all my sins away. Whoa, man, that was such a happy day. Why? Because he loves you. His, it's, it's, it, he can't, his love cannot be intimidated. His love cannot be intimidated. It reminds me of, uh, of Psalms in the book of Psalms. I don't know if I gave it to Zach or not. In Psalms chapter 8, verse 3 and 4 in the NLT. When David, now watch this, guys. David, it reminds me, David was contemplating one time. Have you guys ever looked outside? Let's just be real for a second. Have you guys ever looked outside like, man. Or how many of you love going to the beach? Going to the beach. I don't know about you, but when I go to the beach, I don't only just enjoy myself. I don't relax. I'm in awe. Right? I'm like, oh, my. As far as the eye can see, the just beautiful vastness. You just sit. You just contemplate for a little bit, like this, I'm just a little, little dirt, little spot on the earth, and you made all this. One time, God, David was just contemplating the sky. He was contemplating the heavens. He was contemplating the moon. He was like, this is so majestic and so splendid. This is amazing. Then he had a revelation. Why do you love us more than all these beautiful things you created? Look what he says. Look what he says there. When I looked at the night sky... Look at what it says in chapter 8. When I looked, this is David, when I looked at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, and you set in place, oh God, this is so good. What is mere, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. When I look at the moon 
and the majesty of the sky and the majesty of the sun, how perfect and fiery it is, how humongous it is, how the galaxy is perfectly in place with all the planets. That is so much more beautiful than me. Why do you set your eye upon me above all of your creation? And the answer is because I am love and I created you in my image and I love my image. Do you realize that his love for you is greater than angels, is greater than birds, is greater than animals, is greater than stars, is greater than planets? Which one of you has kids? Come on, raise your hands. Which one of you has kids? Do you know all the hairs on their head? Come on, let me preach at you for a second. Do you know all the hairs in their head? Okay, do, do I know, like, if, if I love you, do I know, oh, that, that's Afro uh, number 3,248. No, we don't do that. You don't say to your son, oh, son, come here. Oh, I, 2034 hair follicles missing today. No. God loves us so much that the Bible says the very hairs on our head are numbered, and he knows all of them. The Bible says your name is written on the palm of his hand. Pastor George, come on. There's 8 billion people. Let me tell you, I don't understand everything, but I know it's in the scripture. His, your name is on the palm of his hand. Let me tell you something. If you ever doubt God's love, look at your children's hair, and then you'll see how great God's love is. Look, try counting. It's impossible. That means you can't comprehend God's love. It is impossible to comprehend, yet it's available for me and you. God, Jesus. Number two, the second thing about God's love is God's love is eternal. Not only is God's love, uh, uh, I'm sorry, cannot be manipulated, but number two, God's love is eternal. Say eternal. Come on, say eternal. I may go just a little bit uh, above what I normally do because I really want to drive this home. Okay? Are you getting something? That means if the love of Jesus is eternal, it has no start and it has no finish. That means it has no limits. Do you realize that that is such a liberating reality to know that when we stumble and fall short that God doesn't cut his love off? The love of God is eternal, which means it never started and it never finishes and it will never finish because it keeps on going. It, God loves us before the foundation of the world. The, before the, the world were created, he loved us. Th think about that. You know what the Bible says in Jeremiah? You don't have to turn it. The Bible says in Jeremiah... Jeremiah, tell my people I have loved them with an everlasting love. That means before the world was created, I loved them. Could you imagine before the world was created? It's hard for our finite minds to understand an eternal, infinite God. But he says, I, okay, you don't believe me? Look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 and the NLT will be up there. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you getting something this morning? Oh, this is liberating. How many feel liberating? Oh, I do. Verse 4, even before he made the world, God what? Come on, shout at me. Even before he made the world, God what? God what? Loved the planets? Loved the stars? Who did he love? Us. Isn't it amazing to know that God loves was, is for us before he spoke the world and universe into existence? Next time you start doubting yourself, think about that. How God loves you and I so radically. Even in your weakness, he loves you. Even in your weak, yes, he loves you. Even in your weak moments, his love, he's not intimidated by your weakness. He doesn't want you to stay in your weakness, but he's not intimidated by your weakness. 
is eternal, never stopping, never over, overflowing, all the time, all the time, all the time. It's like an engine that doesn't stop. Can you imagine in the natural, wake up for, for all your life. Let's say you woke up at 7 in the morning and for your whole life you heard. Five, of the, five in the afternoon, two o'clock in the morning, three in the morning, two, non-stop engine running. The love of God never stops. And because, here's a good thing for you. Uh, I want the worship team to come up here, please. I feel the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't have a stop, start, or finish, that means we could be secure to know that in our frailty, his love will never end towards us. I'm going to say this something that's going to really get, get you really good here. The third one. First one is love. the love of God is, is not manipulated by anything. Number two, the love of God is eternal. Number three, are you ready for this? The love of Jesus never changes. Hear me. The love of Jesus never changes. We change from week to week for, for our, our family or for our spouse. One week is a good week. There's a good week. And then the second week is not a good week. But our love constantly fluctuates, constantly changes, constantly is high one moment, low the next. But God's love never, ever, ever changes. What does that mean? You know what that means? That means the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's eternal. It is never comes out. The love of God. You know what the Bible says in Song of Solomon? Chapter 8, some of y'all need to read that. You think, if you ever want to know the revelations of the love of God, read Song of Solomon. It's not just for poetry and it's not just for women. A lot of people think, oh, just women read that. No, no, no. You know what Song of Solomon chapter 8 says, guys? Are you ready for this? That the love of God is stronger than death. And then he says, many waters cannot quench his love. That means all the waters of the earth, all the oceans of the world, you douse it on this flame that is continually burning. That all the oceans of the world, if you put it in this big old jar and pour it on this flame called love, that that ocean will not be able to extinguish the fire of God's love. The Bible says many waters cannot quench his love. His love is hot. His love is burning. His love is on fire. And it will chase you to the club. It will chase you to the bar. It will chase you to the party scene. It will chase you to your drug bed. It will chase you to your sick bed. It will keep on going after you and after you. Might as well just surrender right now because you can't outrun his love. You can't outlast his love. You can't outdo his love. It will chase you, and you're like, please leave me alone. No, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm starting to run away. Listen, listen, the, 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 the worst thing you could do is run from God because he's faster than you. His love, his love will meet you at the bar when you're trying to run away from God, and you'll be high with another person. The guy goes, dude, man, we need, to get, we need to get right with God. You're like, what? And then you're driving, trying to be away from God, and you see a sign. God loves you. like, oh. His love will find you in the darkest places. You can't outrun them. You can't outlast them. You can't outdo them. You can't do anything apart from him meeting you. Might as well surrender because it's going to be very frustrating for you. <sighs> Lift your hands for a second. Come on, man. Come on, lift up your hands right now. I'm not done, but thank God for his love right now. He's chasing after you. He is running after you. It never changes. Many waters cannot quench his love. 
Many waters cannot quench his love over you. Many waters, many trials, many tribulations. I'm going to skip for a time, but I'm going to share this. Look at me, look at me. The greatest demonstration of God's love, I'm going to end in about five minutes. The greatest demonstration of God's love is not what he's doing for you right now only. Is what he did for you 2,000 years ago. The greatest act of love is when a holy son of God that had no blemish, had no, uh, no sin at all, who was not worthy to be punished, that God says, I will want you to suffer a most horrifying death and torturous death. I want you to go to that cross and I want you to hang naked. And I want you, and they're going to beat you up, son. They're going to rip out your beard, son. And, and they're going to and they're going to put nails in your feet, son. And they're going to put nails in the, in your wrist, son. Do you still want to go? Yes, I want to go for them. Because I love them. And I don't want to be apart from them anymore. Their sinful nature has got them apart from me. But I must go to the cross so that I can bring atonement and forgiveness. No other God loves you like Jesus. Allah doesn't love you. Muhammad doesn't love you. All these people, they, you have to earn salvation. And all these other religions, you have to do things, to, certain things to grant you a place in paradise. Jesus said, it is finished. You don't have to do a thing but receive God's love and repent for the sacrifice that he did because God's love is the supernatural glue that holds you to Jesus no force hear me now no force oh hear me now hear me now no force could separate you or detach you from the power of God's love no tribulation no demon no angel look at what Romans 8 says put that up there bro Look at what Romans up there, and then we're going to pray because I feel the power of God's love. Are you ready? Who shall separate you from the love of God? Come on. Who shall separate you? That means detach you, detach you, detach you from your walk and, and, and your devotion to God. Who shall tribulation, shall famine, shall nakedness or peril or sword? See, some of you guys have experienced that, and you've been detached because you don't know the love of God. Look at look, look, look. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through what? Through what? Through what? Through what? Through our ability to preach? No, no, no. Through what? Through him that loved us. Keep going, bro. Keep going. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shall be able, nor height, nor death, nor created thing, shall be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because this, my friends, is the most powerful force in the universe. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going through in your tribulations, in your finances, in your family, in your marriage, in, in, in your relationships with other people, nothing shall be able to separate you. Not even demons have the power to separate you from the love of God. Today, we need a fresh revelation of God's love so that we can walk closer to Him than ever before. Not just fear tactics, but a loving kind with God. Come on, come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.